This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Matt, Brett here today. How are you today, my friend? I'm all right. How about you? Uh, doing well. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got a funny one to start us off with here, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, coming up here uh, a little bit later on, uh, we are going to be uh, chatting uh, uh, with uh, Derek. Uh, he is uh, going to be joining us. They've, they've got this big event coming over here uh, for Indigenous People uh, Day. Uh, that there's going to be a big voting registration that's going to be coming on up here. Uh, that's it's it's with the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Native American Community Development Institute. And Derek's going to join us on the ninth, which is Monday. They are going to have a Indigenous Voter Registration Celebration Day. And so in the four o'clock hour, we're going to chat with Derek about that and how you can participate in that. Uh, it's going to be going from noon until three. So look forward to that. Uh, we need to understand something about the modern Republican. All right. They don't care about the truth. They, they just do not care about the truth. All they want to do is make sure they feed a narrative to the, the, the people who are their most loyal fan base. And this is actually part of the problem. The reason why there's absolute chaos right now in the U.S. Capitol with the U.S. House and the Republicans over there is because there are too many of these Republicans in incredibly safe districts which have levitated towards the extreme far right where basically the, the, the representatives who represent those districts do not care at all about making America better. They basically just, you know, do narrative validation and hear the accolades from the extreme far-right trolls. And I say this because we, this permeates into Minnesota, even though, you know, our, our, our trolls are stupid idiots. I mean, really, the Republican trolls in this state are dumb as bricks. But it doesn't, I, I want to make sure you understand one thing about this. As I go through this, there's no clarifying this. There's not going to be any fixing this. The only way you could do that is to get them on a court in under, on, under oath, and then they'd... I'm really the victim here. You know, that's what they would do. Um, but let's let's head on down to this was in Iowa, wasn't it? Grinnell, Iowa. There has been two narratives, Brett, that have emerged surround a car that got damaged in a parking lot in Iowa, in Grinnell, Iowa, the rear vehicle used by a campaign of Vivek Ramaswamy. 
The campaign blames protester who objected to Ramaswamy's stance on abandoning Ukraine. Well, the updated news reports and one from the Grinnell College newspaper staffer say the episode was just an accident in a parking lot. Yet, even though they didn't have any evidence this had to do with a protester, the Republicans have run with it. And the Grinnell police responded to it as well as just a, you know, fender bender. Posting online, idiot troll Minnesota Republican State Representative Mary Franzen shared a third version of the incident. It was Minnesota Democrats. Dun, dun, dun. Did you know that we apparently are doing incursions into Iowa right now? Was it you or me that did I this? I don't know. Where is Patrick then? I mean, let's like, like, oh, maybe. Yeah, it was ah, we figured it out. Ah, ah. It was his job to basically go down to Grinnell, Iowa, and while Vivek Ramaswamy was in and doing a speaking event, to do some mild damage to the back bumper of a car. Got him! Got him! Zinger! You know, if really, if you actually think through what their allegations are against us, you realize how stupid they are. But the point of this is not truth. Mary Franson's not about the truth. She's about basically giving the trolls that basically say, Mary, you're so pretty, uh, the validation that they, you know, just throwing red meat to the trolls. That's what she does. Um... Uh, basically, the screenshot here she goes, she she put out there, Vivek Ramaswamy, an attack on democracy by Minnesota Democrats. This is Mary saying this. Um, the latest gaffe may claim a place among France's most eloquent moments, including the time she was heartless in Heartland, Representative Mary Franson comparing fe uh, feeding uh, food stamp recipients to feeding wild animals. You know, Christian, so Christian. Because that was, I mean, the gospel of Matthew, Jesus' direct teachings was, don't feed those people. You know, that, uh, oh, actually, no, it was the complete opposite, wasn't it? Yes, just feed the hungry. That's what it is. So if you, if you don't want to do that, you're really kind of a bad Christian. You know, you just are. And that's not me saying it. It's Jesus. Anywho, um, oh, the Moines Register AP reports that Ramaswamy's campaign blamed protesters for ramming its car in Iowa. The police basically said this is not true. Presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign vehicle was hit Thursday afternoon in what the campaign said was an incidental, incident, intentional act. Intentional act by protesters, but police say it was nothing more than an accident involving a driver unconnected to the protest. No one was hurt in the incident, which was an unoccupied Black Ford expedition being used by the Ramaswamy campaign was struck by a Grinnell woman's Honda Civic outside of a coffee house in town. The Ramaswamy campaign blamed the collision on protesters who they said were angry about Ramaswamy's remarks on aid for Ukraine, saying they yelled and swore at the protesting presidential candidate before jumping into a vehicle, ramming the campaign car and speeding off. Ramming meaning minor damage to the bumper. I can say this authoritatively. I had a drunk driver. Slamming the bike car. That was ramming speed, okay? This is this is a minor dent to a bumper. The Rama um the things clearly escalated, Ramaswamy spokesperson Trisha McLaughlin said. Ramaswamy is used to dealing with protesters and handle it with very calmly. So he was maybe a little more calm about it than the rest of us. Now, once again, this is the Ramaswamy campaign 
making the first lie. Mary is out there saying it's Minnesota Democrats' second lie. But once again, the only way these people are going to correct themselves is if someone dragged them into a court of law, put them under oath, and they could not get out of it. And all of a sudden they would say, I'm sorry because I'm really the victim. (laughs) So it's not about the truth. These people lie constantly. How many of them have taken credit for bills they openly voted against? Ta-da! Yes, they constantly lie about stuff. So this is not about, they're not about the truth. And they're not going to apologize. They're not going to admit they're wrong. They're just basically going to sit there because all they're doing is feeding the trolls. That's all they're doing. That's a pretty boy. Uh, that's not what happened, apparently, called the Grinnell Police Department's investigations. Uh, instead, the investigation showed that a patron had eaten lunch at Jay's Deli and then backed out of the parking lot to the campaign rental vehicle. A report was taken. The driver was released with a summons for unsafe backing. The release said the driver stated she was not in the area to protest. She did not know who the vehicle she struck belonged to, and she did not intentionally back into the vehicle, and she did not flee the scene after the accident, according to the release. So everything they have said about this is completely made up. It's a lie. And also then Mary Franson lied because Minnesota Democrats. Following the incident, Ramaswamy noted on post that, uh, that the platform formerly known as Twitter, the rest of the peaceful protesters shouldn't be lumped in with the two who are responsible for ramming his campaign vehicle. Well, considering those people are made up in your mind and are imaginary people, yeah, the real human being shouldn't be looped in with the imaginary people that you've created in your mind. We can all agree on that. Um, Grinnell, this is Grinnell Police Department refutes Vivek Ramaswamy's claim that protesters intentionally hit his car in the afternoon of Iowa. Our investigation has revealed no evidence to substantiate that information. Two reporters from the Scarlet and Black and the student news site of Grinnell College got a scoop interviewing the student driver who had backed into the campaign vehicle. Zach Spinder Craig and Eleanor Corbin reported it was truly just an accident. Students who hit Ramsey Carr speak out in the media frenzy. So once again, not Minnesota protesters, Grinnell College students, accident. And by the way, can I just say this about my experience in Iowa when I lived down there twice? Their parking lots are wholly substantial. I mean, this stuff happens all the time. I mean, they just, I don't know if it's horse and buggy parking there. They're still trying to figure out. The, the whole state is bad parking. There's a lot of bad parking lots down there. Oh. I think I think it really actually has to do with you know some of these places just had dirt parking lots and then they just paved them and they didn't think about well we need to put more than two inches between these uh, these back parked dark cars or they can get out. Uh, so here we go. Going to the media report of the Grinnell College student who was arranged, uh, you know, lunatic, apparently, according to Vivek Ramaswamy. The Grinnell College student accused of crashing her car into the back of Vivek Ramaswamy's presidential campaign vehicle on Thursday afternoon said it was an accident, not the purpose, purposeful national uh, crash national media, notably conservative outlets, reported it to be. Cecilia Meager, 24, the accused student, also said she was not affiliated with the protest group and engaged with Ramaswamy and Grinnell that engaged with Ramaswamy and Grinnell and that she did not leave the scene of the crash. The Republican presidential candidate was in Grinnell to record a KCCI coffee with the candidate's roundtable discussion with three undecided Poeshik County Republican voters at Saints Rest Coffee House. God, that's like the most Iowa paragraph I've ever read. In an incident, seriously. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Presidential season. That's where you're going. Uh, nothing is more arrogant than the, the people of Iowa saying, we need to make the decision. <laughs> Not quite the pizza ranch, though. No, normally... no, pizza ranch would be great, man. If it, Kirk Cousins was there, just in the background, just getting pizza. That would just there you go, Johnny Chains, Kirky Chains. In, um, in an incident that has been since been covered by major national news outlets, uh, they the the newspaper exclusively interviewed Meager. She provided a perspective on the October fifth incident that differs slightly from the current media reports. Meager said that the information she could provide was limited to insurance process. It was not an intentional accident whatsoever. The media release from the Grinnell Police Department states that they have not found any evidence to substantiate the current narrative of the incidents being intentional. It was truly just an accident. We are completely unaffiliated with the protesters, said Nick Grolofson, Megan's partner, in response to the media characterization, which he says is inaccurate. Groshen says that the pass it was in the passenger seat of uh, Meager's vehicle at 12.55 p.m., the time of the incident with Ramaswamy's 2023 Ford Expedition. The campaign vehicle had no occupants when it was hit. The AP News article on the incident has been published with the headline, Protesters Angry About Ukraine and Comments Ram His Empty Car in Iowa Campaign, says the AP story has now been published by the Washington Post, Yahoo News, and the U.S. News and World Report. Once again, don't think AP for any reason is actually intentionally. They are, they are one hell of a compromised news outlet. It, basically, they took talking points from a candidate and published it as news. That's all you need to know about the AP. It cites Ramaswamy campaign saying the protester upset about Vivek Ramaswamy's remarks on the aid of Ukraine yelled and swore at the presidential candidate in Iowa on Thursday before jumping into a vehicle, ramming the campaign and speeding off. Fox News also reported the incident as a hit and run. Meager said that following the crash, we just moved over and waited for the, <laughs> waited for the police. Uh, we, the campaign, never alleged it was a hit and run, said Trisha McLaughlin, Ramaswamy's spokesperson, when asked to comment for the SMB. McLaughlin also shared a police report, which cites the damage amount to about $600, which insurance probably will cover, and then we are done here. Daily Mail political reporter Caitlin Corral appears to have been the first to report on the accident. Two protesters, aged 26, 22, rammed their vehicle into McLaughlin's car as he visited Rest, uh, Saints Rest Cafe. The treat reads... At the time of the writing of the article, the tweet had gathered over 344,000 views. So once again, here's the Daily Mail publishing something which is false, that these were protesters as opposed to possibly an accident. Grinnell Police Department corroborated the accidental nature of the incident in a media release saying it was reported on social media that two protesters intentionally ran the Ramaswamy vehicle and fled. Our investigation has revealed no evidence to substantiate the information. Mager says she received $210 traffic summons for unsafe backing. The S&B was at Saints Rest while media carrying the initial AP story were spreading the photo of the damaged car on social media were not. Um, this is a developing story. Uh, sure, it's a, a democratic thing. Bluestrom is charmed about what seems to be the new feature at the bottom of the France and Post. Uh, per the Des Moines police, the, the accident was not intentional and the driver who, who hit the vehicle did not flee. So basically they put a, a, a clarification on there. As the screenshot reveals, viewers are asked to find out what added context and helpful that there's, uh, you know, a bottom to rate it. Franson's loyal critics know what to do. But that's, the, that, that's basically, this is, this is the whole point of this is this. It's not about the truth. It's not about the truth. This is not about the truth. It's about narrative validation. They want to believe these angry people just stormed over and ripped the car in two. 
and a decent-hearted Vimak Ramaswamy just said, let them go. The rest of the protesters are fine. Now, first of all, let's call out that crap. You don't make up a story about fake protesters damaging your car and then get the ability to say, I have no problem with the protesters. Clearly you do there, Johnny Sensitive. So, you know, you can shut up now. Second of all, these people will never admit the truth. They won't. You think Mary Francis is about to go out there and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I, I got the wrong information. Apparently, this had nothing to do with the protest. It was just an accident in the parking lot. And insurance going to cover it, and we're done. No, of course not. If she does, I'll be shocked. We'll have to check Mary's you know, social medias, but she blocked me. Although, I do see her on the other sites that I do have. So, I mean, I can't, it's, just, it's just fun. Yeah, you're blocking me if I have to see you. Anywho, um... I doubt she'll basically admit she's wrong because all this is about is feeding narrative validation. And these people in these safe red districts, even though all these politicians have done for 40 years in these red districts is hurt them more and more and more. The real Pied Piper of the event is the Republicans have managed to, to summon their frustration and anger, not at the people who've created their problems, but at mythical people that they keep saying, blame them. The last thing I want to say about this is, is I want to remind people of when people were blocking highways. The Black Lives Matter protesters you know, people protesting George Floyd when they were blocking roads. What was the narrative from Republicans? Not all Republicans, mind you, but a lot of them. Ram your car into them, kill as many as you can, then pull over three blocks later and say, I was scared, I was scared, because we're writing laws that basically say you can murder people with your car and get away with it. I remember that. Who else remembers that? I remember that. I remember Republicans telling people to ram protesters with their car and then just pull a few blo over a few blocks later, call the cops and say, I was scared, and you'll get away with it. That was their argument, that people should just ram protesters when they see them. Doesn't sound like so much. And here all of a sudden it's a case where not a protest happens and they can't help themselves. They have to find a way to vilify the other side. If you guys keep voting for these idiots, I can't help you. They're not, I mean, they haven't delivered on any of their promises for 40 years. You've gotten poorer, you've got less benefits. The only thing that's saving you in a lot of these red districts is Twin Cities metro area tax dollars, fact, and the fact that the DFL is not a heartless bunch of people and actually passes laws to help the entire state, not just a handful of specific districts. And you're welcome. The DFL has delivered for you. But you guys, if your main concern here is believing these Democrats, they're just out of control versus, well, gosh, Mary Franson hasn't done crap for us and compared poor hungry people to feeding wild animals. Well, heaven forbid you enlighten yourself, but that's not my job to do that. You have to, you, you have to be somewhat willing. And right now, all you're, you're doing is devouring what you can at the disinformation trough. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.
Oh, dad, Caitlin Carell, she's with the uh, Daily Mail, and just said she did update her story saying, Grinnell, please say there's no evidence the crash was intentional, and the student told Grinnell paper it wasn't purposeful. But she is saying the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign told her they have video uh, and confirmed to me the driver flipped off Vivek, yelled profanities, and honked at them before the crash. So that's what they're saying, but that's, you know, that's basically, once again, there you've got the Grinnell police and the protesters who did not leave, or not the protesters, just the students, the students who did not leave, who were not protesters, basically there. This is, bas this is completely and totally made up. This is a completely and totally made up thing. And I'll tell you this, Vivek, go ahead and release this so-called video because what you probably got is a video of someone else. And if you release that video and you put it up on news, then you're claiming someone crashed their car into you and they didn't, which opens you up for a lawsuit. And you're not about to do that. So needless to say, they're lying. And, and by the way, I, once again, we have to make sure we point out the pathetic nature of the AP and the Daily Mail and a lot of these guys who basically just take talking points from the campaigns and just put, you know, sources say at the end of it, acting like they've done their job. News media today is pathetic. And, you know, part of it is this. I mean, there are a lot of campaigns which will look at the news media and tell them, you have to report news how we tell you to report it or else you can't be on the campaign trail with us. And so they, they, they cower and, and, and they, they, they hide and they do all that stuff. The reality is, is that, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is pretty, it's pretty embarrassing that they, this is how it is. And it's embarrassing on a lot of levels. It's embarrassing these people are lying so much. It's embarrassing that they're running with this and the narrative, even though it's not true. And it's embarrassing the fact that, the, that these people will never once, it, it, this is intentional. It's just intentional. It's narrative validation. It's not anything to do with facts. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. A good chunk of the rest of this hour is going to be spent on school issues because there's two that have been going on. One, a recurring story I'm going to talk about. The other one, a newer story that I want to truss out here as well. But both of them had the same vibe, which is this. You have people trying to dictate what other people can and cannot learn. And that is not a good thing. We're going to start in, uh, this is Ham Lake. Oh, it's a lake of ham. Who doesn't? Oh, ham Lake. Oh, delicious. Anyway, uh, as many of, as one in five students at the Twin Cities Charter School were kept home in protest last week as Muslim parents demanded the school drop its use of an LGBTQ-friendly picture book. Starting Tuesday, September 26, between 140 and 192 of the approximately 1,000 students at Da Vinci Academy in Ham Lake were marked absent each day last week, assumed due to the issue, said Holly Fisher, the school's executive director, in an email to Sahan Journal. Smaller numbers of students were marked absent for other reasons. Um... Da Vinci Academy uses the books in its kindergarten through fifth grade classes as part of an anti-bias curriculum. 
Fisher explained at a September 25th school board meeting that the books are intended to help children understand differences in age-appropriate ways and a, a need that became evident when children returned to school struggling with social skills after pandemic closures. The 120 books curated by the local nonprofit AmazeWorks include stories about immigrants and children with disabilities. 24 have LGBTQ characters. Several times each month, teachers read AmazeWorks books to their classes. Sahan Journal interviewed two Muslim parents with the children at Da Vinci School, both of whom later asked not to be named in the story. They told Sahan Journal that teaching children about LGBTQ issues infringes on their rights as parents and on their religion. One parent, an imam, told Sahan Journal that homosexuality, homosexuality is a major sin in Islam. All right. After a four-day attendance strike, the students returned to class October 2nd. At its next meeting scheduled for October 23rd, the school board plans to discuss setting up a parent committee to review the issue. Fishers also arranged a meeting with the Minnesota chapter of the Council of American Islamic Relations, which is representing the parents. But parents say their part, they may pull their kids from the Da Vinci Academy altogether if the school does not change the curriculum. Da Vinci Academy, a K-8 charter school 20 miles north of Minneapolis, provides instructional focused on arts and scientists, students, Test scores register above the state average, and black and white students have similar scores in math and reading, a rarity for a state known for achievement gaps. It's, there are one or two good charter schools. There are. But every bad charter school hangs their hat on these good ones, and there's where the problem is. Um, 60% of Da Vinci's Academy students are white, but the school's enrollment has increased in recent years, fueled by its reputation among Muslim families who praised its academics and its diversity. Between 2018 and 2019 and 2022 and 2023 school years, enrollment increased by nearly 20%. The majority of the new students were black and half of them speak a language other than English at home, including Arabic, uh, Aramo, Somali, and uh, Aramaic. With so many Muslim students at Da Vinci Academy, parents say the school should have consulted them before including the new material. I, you can, and by the way, you're about to see, you, if you think about this for two seconds, you can see where this is going. In recent years, Republican left efforts to limit discussions on LGBT issues in schools like Florida's Don't Say Gay Law have received extensive media attention. In some pockets of the country, Muslim families have pushed back too. In the past year, Muslim families pushed for an LGBT book ban in Dearborn, Michigan, protested a policy aimed at affirming children's gender identities in Burnsville, and sued for the right to opt their kids out of LGBT picture books in Maryland. Under Minnesota state law, is everybody listening? Okay. Parents have the right to review the curriculum and make reasonable arrangements for alternative instruction if they find any material objectionable. I want to stop right here. Every one of these parents, if they don't want this book read to their kid or their kid to have access to it, have that right already. So is this about their kids or everybody else's kid. There's the problem. At the school board meeting, Fisher said that any parent can opt out of the material and that she had accommodated every such request. Many students already opt out of certain lessons and the school provides alternative opportunities, she said. At the same time, she stressed that the school has children who need the LGBTQ affirming books. So, once again... All these parents who are acting as if these books are being forced on their kids, that's not true. 
They can opt out of that book. Their kid will get alternative books, alternative you know, classes. This school seems to be doing the best they can to make sure and accommodating every request to make sure no kid has to see this book. So if the individual parents don't have a freaking problem with this, this is a bunch of parents trying to dictate that no kid can look at these books. And that is wrong. All my best to you in your religion. If you, that's what it, you feel it says, that's that's I, that's your religion. But that's not anyone else's religion. And if you have kids in the school who do need to have these representations presented to them, are you going to demand those kids be removed from the classrooms too? You don't want the book read. We already accommodate you. Stop trying to raise other people's kids. End of story. God, I can't stand this. Stop trying to raise other people's kids. Do not tell me or anyone what books their kids can and cannot read. You don't want your kid to read the book? Fine. The school accommodates you. There's a related story. We got to go back to Hamlin University. And we're going to talk about, once again, the school, in, at least it, by the appearances, trying to do their best to argue that somehow the students should be able to dictate what is and is not taught at a college-level course. And I can't tell you how frustrated I've been because I keep asking the question and no one wants to answer the question, why the heck didn't the kid read the syllabus? Why? I'll tell you what. We'll take a break, come back. These two stories are connected because once again, this is people trying to dictate what other people can and cannot do with their kids. And that's not right. End of story. You don't want your kids involved in this? That's fine. That's your right. We have state laws, and the school is accommodating you. Stop trying to dictate that for everyone else. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. You know today destroys the night. Night divides the day. Brett was preoccupied for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> and, and here's you get the point of what, what I do here. I can't do anything. So for all the people that saw me on the camera there, yeah, uh, we're just hanging out together then at that point, man. So this is why you need to watch the show. In case stuff like this happens, you can see like uh, I, don't know. I guess I'll play Minesweeper, you know? <laughs> Which I would be doing if not for this show anyway. So there you go. Yeah. That, My apologies, yes. That and making OnlyFans content. I know. All right, so. Once again, just want to recap why this is so frustrating about what's happening up at the Da Vinci Academy in Ham Lake. It does forget about the fact that it's LGBTQ books for a second. There, if a parent does not like 
any book there for any reason and does not want that book exposed to their children, well, good. They can they can opt out of it. They can, well, I don't say good per se, but okay, fine. How about I say fine? Fine. You can opt out of that book. Your child will have an alternative you know, uh, activity during that time. You don't have to read it. They won't be exposed to it. They won't be given it. That's the case. Done. So what's the problem? If you're trying at that point, if there are those kind of accommodations for every parent, which is basically as a parent myself of children, all that any parent needs, then anything else you're doing, any other temper tantrum or fit you're throwing is about stopping other people from reading a book that you disagree with. And that's not America. It's not supposed to be America. It could be Florida. But that's not America, man. You're right. There are some things in my life that I have said, kids, nope, you can't see that. You can't watch that. You can't read that because they were too young. But that was my choice for my kids. I didn't roam up and down the street and demand every parent on the block give me their copy of the DVD or VHS or the book or whatever the case may be. This is why this is frustrating. This is not about individual choice or keeping your kids safe. The school is doing everything in their power to do that. It's about stopping other kids who clearly, as the school says, need to have these examples in their curriculum for their own needs from having them there. That's not right, man. All right, let's go to Hamlin University. Now, once again, I want to reiterate what happened here a year ago. A art historian drew up a course on a fine arts. This, this is fine arts. And, and part of the co college course was about uh, religious art. And um, there was a painting of Muhammad, uh, the prophet Muhammad. Now, for many people of the Islamic faith, this is, it's, it, you know, any depiction of Muhammad is, you know, not, not you know, it, it's unacceptable and they don't like it. But even Karn, the, the Council of American uh, Islamic Relations, has said there are exceptions such as teaching art history, where at certain points there are these historical paintings. We don't just go out and start burning paintings in the parking lot because we don't like them. And that's just not something you do. All right? It's not something you do. And by the way, just a quick little side note, if I can. Yeah, we can tear down the Columbus statue because that's not, that's just a statue that was put up recently by white people to praise a white person who was a horrible human being. You wouldn't put up a Jeffrey Epstein statue right now. You wouldn't do that because he was a horrible human being. Christopher Columbus sold nine and 10-year-old native girls as sex currency. He shouldn't be recommend, he shouldn't be acknowledged. I mean, obviously you teach him in history classes because there is a historical provenance there. So you don't wipe it off the planet, but you don't put up a statue for the guy saying he was a swell fella. No, he wasn't. He was a horrible. Even at the time he existed, he was so atrocious 
that the European courts felt he was a monster. <laughs> That's all you need to know about how bad he was. There was a time that that, that is different than a time when people painted and praised religious leaders who now the, the mentality is today that's not okay but once again even the council of american and islamic relations have basically said no that if it's an art history class you know that's that's you know you, you you've got to expect that the teacher uh erica lopez prater in the syllabus very clearly and once again the entire teaching schedule was approved by the college in the syllabus, she very clearly said, we are going to be viewing images, a 14th century image of the Prophet Muhammad. Be prepared, and if you do not want to see this, let us know, we will coordinate and organize to where you do not have to see it. In the syllabus, very clearly, it was in the syllabus. Once again, faculty signs off on it. A student, a Muslim student, takes the class. Apparently did not read the syllabus, which, I'm, I'm stunned by why you didn't read the syllabus. Needless to say, in the week or so up and before the, the actual event, what happened was the teacher kept saying, coming up on this day, we are going to be viewing the picture of the Prophet Muhammad. If you do not want to be here for that class, we can make accommodations for you this. For some reason, the student did not heed these warnings. And even at the beginning of this class, they did, once again, I understand this is a very controversial painting. We don't want to upset anyone. If you do not want to see this, we can make accommodations. Nothing. Shows the picture. Oh, my God. This teacher's tried to force the, the picture of Prophet Muhammad on us. Okay. And once again, it's, it's the school grossly overreacted, called it Islamophobic, which it wasn't, and basically fired the teacher. The teacher is basically currently suing the school and actually has merit uh, on one of the case arguments that they were making, which will end up costing the school quite a bit of money. And Hamlin's reputation as an academic place is there because, no, you should not have a student. Once again, I mean, I understand that you make accommodations for this. You should not have a student basically dictating to a professor what they can and cannot teach. It's The professor is hired to be the expert in the field, in the class that's there. Say that you're in a health class and they have mouth-to-mouth -mouth and someone feels as if, well, that's not appropriate. That's forced sexual contact. Contact, And you're saying, well, yeah, it's a, it's a health class. We're trying to teach mouth-to-mouth -mouth CPR. Well, you can't teach that because you're just asking people to get upset about this. I mean, it's different because obviously there's a religious overtone here in the case of the Prophet Muhammad, but it's the same kind of vibe is that the student was warned repeatedly and at no point took the warning seriously, or just didn't even read the syllabus. Needless to say, Hamlin had their reputation tarnished pretty good. But on September 12th, Hamlin University held a forum on academic freedom. The forum was presented in response to the incident that occurred last year involving the teaching of a work of Islamic art containing a 14th century image of the Prophet Muhammad. In a world art history course, the religiously observant Muslim student complained the administration called the lesson undeniably Islamophobic, which it wasn't, and failed to rehire the instructor, Erica Lopez Prater. These actions were widely criticized across the political spectrum and around the world. The American Association of University Professors conducted an investigation and concluded 
The professor's conduct in the classroom was not only justifiable and appropriate on both scholarly and paradoxical grounds, but it was also protected by the academic freedom. The Hamlin administration was wrong to characterize this decision as Islamophobic. After the media firestorm, the president and board chair issued a statement acknowledging that the use of the word Islamophobic was flawed. No, it was just stupid, frankly, if you, if you ask me, but, you know, whatever. Hamlin's administration, the UUAP report stated, had an inaccurate and harmful understanding of the nature of academic freedom in the classroom. The report called out the administration's de facto campaign of vilification against the professor and criticized the failure to extend due process to her. It's been almost one year since the classroom incident, and despite the damage to the university's image, there has not been any internal inquiry. Not a single administrator has issued an apology or taken responsibility. Instead, Hamlin's administration, after having a long period to reflect on the media response, the, UUA, the AAUP report and the statements of outraged faculty organized academic freedom and cultural perspectives, challenges for higher ed today and tomorrow, despite its promising title. The event, which included introductions from David Everett, Hamlin's chief diversity officer, uh, Fainis S. Miller, Hamlin's president, and a keynote address from Michael Eric Dyson, was essentially a full-throated defense of the administration's actions against Lopez Prater. Of the four panelists who convened after the keynote, only one, David Schultz, who we've actually had on the show before, was drawn from a Hamlin faculty. Unsurprisingly, he alone seemed to, uh, seemed to invite any skepticism about the administration's actions, albeit in a rather indirect way. The other, Stacey Hawkins, Rutgers Law School, and the anti-racist activist Tim Wise and Robert D'Angelo did not discuss the controversy in any substantial way. The event was opened by David Everett, who said last year the act of teaching a work of art in a classroom after having many, given many content warnings and writing in the classroom was undeniably inconsiderate, disrespectful, and Islamophobic, thereby setting the entire debacle in motion. Everett said those things about a faculty member who was teaching her class in accordance with the standards of her profession and who did nothing wrong and said... And he said with, uh, with them without even talking to the professor or even exchanging emails with her. Nor did Everett, in his handling of the student complaint, ever bring Lopez Prater to the student uh, together in a room to discuss the issue. Surely a best practice for diversity office. Lopez Prater, Everett said, was no longer a part of the Hamlin community in light of her actions in the uh, teaching art, by the way, teaching art. Uh, in the right instructional context, this classroom event could have been a powerful teachable moment, but Hamlin's leadership, which was in the past has advocated the approach of restorative justice, decided to be uh, retributive. Um, and I'm going to tell you what, I'll take a break, come on back, talk more about this. Because once again, this is, you don't like something. That's fine. And I want to be very clear here, whether it's the Hamlet story or this story. We make accommodations for people to make sure that you're not uncomfortable. You don't feel as if your, your religion is being offended. We make accommodations for you. You are more than welcome to take them up. Is this about you or basically stopping anyone else from ever seeing things that you disagree with? Because it sounds much more like the last one. You're trying to stop other people from seeing things that you disagree with. And talking about slippery slopes, considering the Christian nation that we got in this country today, that is a freaking slippery slope. There are, there are already Christians that say every house should have a Bible in it. You know, think about that for a second. That's not good either.
in any capacity. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Once again, I want to make sure, because people, people always have a tendency of half listening to what I'm saying. By all means, no one should be forced into looking at something that they disagree with, especially if they feel religiously that it is offensive. I don't believe something should be forced upon you. And at no point in either of these stories was anything forced on anyone. In the one case... The, the parents can choose to opt out. It sounds like many parents did. But there, once again, it's not enough. No one in the school can read the book. In this case, why didn't you read the syllabus? Why? Why didn't you read the syllabus? Why did you ignore all the warnings? Because it, at that point, I feel sorry that you saw the thing because it was offensive to you. But at that point, you almost seem to have gone out of your way to see it. And then are trying to use that argument that no one should be able to see that piece of art, even though Karn basically says, no, if it's an art history class, that is a viable reason to show that image. But as exactly as the teacher did, with plenty of warning in advance. President Miller was eager to note that she did not see this event as a defensive move, but rather an offensive one. Miller's insistence that this is not defensive foreshadowed the event as it was in many ways highly defensive. Miller's comments at the event clearly directed at the faculty who she said continue to teach in ways that are more likely to mirror the educational experience that we endured. When we exercise academic freedom, she said we must still see who is in our classrooms and she advised that the faculty must not treat students as cattle to be prodded and moved in the direction of uh, uh, we want. Once again, this teacher gave how many warnings that you did not have to be in this classroom. That's not cattle. The real threat to academic freedom, she concluded, occurs in places like Florida and Texas, it is not, or, or Hamlin, where it is not threatened in, in that way in Minnesota. You say, it's not being threatened that way at Hamlin University. Miller fails to see that there are many ways that academic freedom can be threatened. Despite the important differences, there's key similarity between much of what is happening in places like Florida and Texas and what actually happened at Hamlin last year. In both incidences, a particular religion or ideological viewpoint is being used in its attempt to deny everyone in the community the opportunity to see certain material. It is clear that Lopez Prater had no intent to upset anyone. She was teaching an important work of Islamic art, which is part of her job. She showed concern for her Muslim students by giving them multiple warnings in writing and orally to avert their eyes when she showed the image if they so wanted. This has nothing. This is nothing like the example. Some given more by once than by many speakers of the event, the Holocaust denial, flat earth theory, fomenting an insurrection, using the N-word in the classroom. None of those absurdly inappropriate Ideas are remotely similar to the challenge that arose with Lopez Prater's art history class and that many use on a regular face, responsibly teaching relevant and suitable academic content that might be disturbing to some students. Uh, what happened to Lopez Prater, whose academic freedom was clearly denied, was outrageous and unfair. It also serves as a chilling cautionary tale to us, especially those who teach controversial subjects. 100% agreed. Would you allow, and I'm, I, I tell you what, I can't, it's, it's it, once again, I want to be able to say this. I, if you are truly offended by something, it's not my place to say you're not offended. I am not about forcing something onto someone that they disagree with. 
but I am 100% about a minority in a community, a minority of the population, dictating for the majority of the population what can and can be acceptable. I don't, I don't know if that's right. Hour two is up next. For the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show on your Friday. Good to be with you. We, I haven't. It, it really still is a slow trickle of getting people back in studio, Derek. They just don't. They're not. They're not coming. It's nice to have people come back in, but it's been so long. I used to have people in here all the time. Thank you for coming down to the station, my friend. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, joining us right now from the Native American Community Development Institute is Derek DeLille. Uh, Derek is currently um, uh, with them, and he is, I want to make sure I get the title correct here, uh, the manager of Make Voting a Tradition and Civic Engagement. He's from the Bad River Ojibwe. He's kind enough to take some time today because they have a big event coming up here. Uh, this is on Monday, correct? From 11 to 3, if I'm not mistaken. It's the Indigenous Voter Registration Celebration Day. And he's kind enough to take some time to talk about that. Thank yes. you, Derek. Yes. Glad to, glad to talk to you. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm Derek DeLille. Of course, with MVAT, we call it for uh, short, Make Voting a Tradition program. Uh, that's a program of NACTI, Native American Community Development Institute. We are located in the heart and soul of the American Indian Cultural Corridor. And uh, we are a systems change organization, so we're working for changing the systems. Um, we also, I like, I like a point about our organization to say we are also a asset-based organization. We don't work from a deficit where we see that we need to come in and fill for a deficit. We look to the community and we seek out the assets that are already there. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's something I think that your organization, the success rate of the Native American vote in this state cannot be denied. You're welcome, DFL. And, uh, you, you, and, and you, but you have to say that you, you, the Native American vote has delivered and they have delivered because the organization on the ground, whether up in northern Minnesota or here in the city in Franklin in 55, you're looking at a, a, a the understanding of this, the way you get things changed. And boy, this last session was a, a great example of that. The way you get real change is by making sure your voice is heard. And you guys, by not trying to grasp too big of a, a, a thing, just taking taking the challenge in front of you and running with it, you guys have done a magnificent job over there. Yeah, I'm pretty new to the program, so I got to give a lot of love to my coworker, Jolene Jones. If you're listening, Jolene. I've had Jolene on before. She does it. She does an amazing job. She knows what she's doing. She knows where the people need it, mm. where to be, how to get things done, and also to get our voices heard. That's the biggest thing, I think. Uh, being heard for for uh, Native Americans is very important. We're, we're small, but we're mighty. We do have numbers in Minnesota, and if we can spread the information, if we can get it out there to, to our Native nations and have everyone aware of what's going on, who's doing what, in what offices, I think we can make a lot of change happen. 
there has been a massive failure here. I mean, on multiple levels. Um, the ignoring of the Native American population of the state has been an egregious, on top of egregious, uh, mistake made by the Caucasian population. Understandably, that that's something that we need to fix. I this is one of the reasons why I love being the lead in for Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. We actually are starting to see voices be heard more. It still has a long way to go. We do need we need to need a lot more voices out there. But it's it's by addressing this and this face on saying no, you know this this is a a community that can no longer be ignored because the reality is is that the, a the injustices that have already happened have to be addressed. But at the same time, we are here now and we have a voice. And dang it, we are going to be heard. And I and I, I commend you on that. And I and I only can hope that we can continue with with the the Native American community and all the communities. To basically make sure, yeah, everyone has a fair share here. You know, we we all we all should be heard, right? Right, everyone, great. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, some of the importance of our Native American voice is uh, our heart. We speak from the heart, and when you speak from the heart, a lot of times um, hard truths come up, and that's what we're all about. Um, it's it's been throughout history that when times get rough and a native speaks up a lot of times it is going to be hard truth we're going to get right down to the matter we want to acknowledge things for what they are i think it's a beautiful time to be in the the work that i'm in mm -hmm. um there is a lot of funding for the environment going on right now it is it is a, a very hot topic right now so it's a good place to be of course being native american in my community my people um that's one of our first thoughts is what's going on with the earth what's going on with the air mm -hmm. what's going on with the water what's going on with everything in this universe that's that's what we want to be we want to boil it down to the simple facts mm -hmm. and and tell the truth and get it out there and and in that way, I love that you said um, acknowledgement. In our oldest teachings, that's one of the first things we want to do is acknowledge that there is a problem. Okay, now we've acknowledged it. Now we can move on from there. So acknowledgement is, is always a beautiful thing to mm. see. You bring up the water, and, and this is one of the things that I talk with Robert Pilot and their crew on the, the show after mine all the time about this. and. You know, we had the Forever Chemicals. How many of those kids got killed out in the East Metro because of the Forever Chemicals? The entire time since the 60s, the Native American tribes have been screaming, you got to stop what's happening to our water. And we just had the Line 3 protest. And I said, you know, guys, in 80 years when you get ready to build the memorial saying the Native Americans were right, we'll skip that whole thing. In 80 years, you don't need to do that. <laughs> just listen to them now. Because as, as much as a lot of people out there don't might not want to accept this or might not understand this, the Native Americans have been right the entire time when it comes to water and air. We need to listen to them because they're right on this. And all we're doing is treading water until... Well, basically, we're just doing that basically makes us sick. We, we got, we've, this is what, what the Native American uh, population, the Native American community, and all these communities, there's always things that we can learn, and, and we need to just stop talking and let them speak, because if you, let, if you hear what they're saying, they've been right from the get-go. Yeah, a lot of times, I think, 
I, I don't think it's uh, so much being right. I think it's I think it goes back to truth. It just goes back to what is right for the universe. What is right for our soil? Mm-hmm. When when you talk about uh, the health of the soil in the south side, where our native people are in mm-hmm. Little Earth, um, the the soil itself is contaminated. Mm-hmm. That's a rough. That's a rough truth. And why is that? That's where we want to go. When we have a factory right in that very neighborhood that's putting out contaminants that are just ruining the air, where are those contaminants dropping? Mm -hmm. They're dropping right in our neighborhood, and we're right there. And so you're going to see high rates of asthma and many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard truth, but we want to get to the bottom of it because we want our kids healthy. We want to give them a shot. When I was younger, it was a, it was a different world. Um, I could take it. I think we were built a little bit different back in those days. Um, I, was, I was raised to be tough. And, and just grin and bear it and tighten up the boots and let's go. Um, I don't want that for these kids. Mm-hmm. I think they deserve better. And where they're going to get better is from us. We're now doing the work. Mm-hmm. We're the ones making the change. We are the ones out here in, in, in and at the tables and talking to people like you. Now we're on the air. We're doing... These are these are beautiful things that we're doing. You're raising up our voice. I love that. I really appreciate you having us. I I think if, if I and from just my perspective is, there are too many times that white people have tried to be the voice. I just I it's not my job. My my job is to basically just you can if we only listen to them, white people <laughs> listen to them because you're talking about the, the pollution in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's eventually, it's on the people. It lands on the people. It's in the Mississippi River. And one of the things I, I always think about, you go fly over the Mississippi River to the south, mm-hmm. and it looks like Willy Wonka's Chocolate River. Yeah. It's been so polluted and stuff. It's If we don't start taking this seriously and listening to what the Native American population is telling us is right and wrong and, and how the world works, then it's it's not there, and it goes. It's it's not going to be as nice as it is today. And still, reality is it's it's there's still a lot of problems with it, even here with the farm runoff and stuff. The when you talk about the Native American corridor, let's talk about that. It 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 feels like it's getting better, but it also, you know, as you said, the Native American community wants just the same fair shake that every other community gets. And by the way, that's the least we can do, people. Everyone gets the same opportunities. Is is the community getting there? Do you feel as if the is is the is are we getting you know cleaner soil, more opportunity, better development, cheaper housing? Is 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 that stuff is that happening or is it still how much of a need is in that corridor? I see it happening. There's still a great need, but I do see it happening. I think we're making a lot of progress. Um, we just spoke about again. When I was younger, and the families that have passed away, the alcohol epidemic. Let's yeah. let's keep it real. Um, these are these are things that came from 
a certain place. Though the drinking epidemic and the drug epidemics, because there was multiple, um, those things stemmed from somewhere. Um, they were stemming from us not being proud, and maybe that was maybe that was uh, stripped. Um, being degraded is a that's that's a tough place to to grow up as a kid, and then like you were saying with the opportunities when the opportunities aren't there for a man I'll just speak as a man um that's a really tough place to be mm-hmm. um men want to protect men want to get the food we want to you know provide a home take care of our kids we want all the things that other people are getting mm-hmm. And when you're not getting those things, it's just another hit to the gut. Mm-hmm. And it kind of knocks you down. So from what I've seen, I see a lot of uh, development going up. Mm-hmm. There's there's good things going on. These kids, like I've mentioned, they're bright. They're smiling. They're talkative. They're not hanging their heads. They're They're walking tall. They're going for it in school. There's this whole new generation, and that's the importance of why I'm here today is is to speak on that and say, yes, something is happening. We need to keep this going. Come on, we can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, we can make things happen, and that's that's why I love my work. That's why I love my job. When we talk about voting here, um, and you talk about the the, the kids, Talk about the fact that we, for I think, now have more Native American representation in the House, Senate, uh, the, the, the Lieutenant Governor. We have more Native American representation. So what is kind of the idea of a myth is actually now much more visible, that there are opportunities that re- you can represent not only the Native American community, but the whole community as a whole. And that it, 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 you know, talk a little bit about that. How important it is, is that when elections show that the Native American voices are the voices that we all want to hear? That's the biggest reason I took this job. It, it, voting, I kind of looked at that and I said, well, you know, that I'd have a lot to learn there. I don't know. And then I saw the last part, manager of Make Voting a Tradition and civic engagement. Those two words were the ones that got me. Because I know what that means, I'm going to get out and I'm going to speak to the people. I'm going to engage the people. I'm going to try to work with the people and try to help. Um, one of the biggest reasons I took took the job was because I'm fortunate enough to live in a good enough way to be me, mm-hmm. just simply me. I stay away from al- alcohol and drugs. Um, I try to drink water and, and live a wholesome life and eat as good as I can, sleep as good as I can. And, you know, I'll just put it out there. I'm 49 years old. I got one more half a year to go before I'm 50. And... um yeah, it's important for those kids to be able to see me. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. I have to be at each event. If I can be at every event, I've done a good job. I need to be seen. I need to be smiling. I need to be positive. I need to be all of those things and embody our cultural ways. 
I, I have to be that because of the simple fact I'll go back to when I was a kid. It was a different world. When I was in school, I saw no one. I didn't see native teachers. Mm-hmm. We didn't have Big Brother program. Um, I saw some rugged stuff on Chicago and Franklin, though. Yeah. It was a very different avenue at that time. So a bar on each corner has definitely changed. It's very important to to see our representatives in there and uh, to hear what they have to say because they are saying some good things. They're smart. They're, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And one of the things that you're saying too, which is I just love too, is it's not just an inspiration for the Native American community for all the communities. I mean, that's leadership. And that is something we all can look up to regardless of what your 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 background is. And I, I, can, I couldn't agree with more. I'm 55, I quit drinking years ago. I can't tell you. It's it's inspiring to hear you say this because you know what? That's, that's the key is being there in the community as part of that community and making sure that all the voices are heard. That's just so important. So let's uh, talk about the event. This is on Monday from noon until three, correct? Yes. All right. Where, it's going to be over at 1845 East Franklin Avenue at the American Indian OIC. So the this is what's going to be the, the whole point is getting people, as many people registered as possible? Uh, for this one, we are not going to be registering. Okay. We will uh, take some names and put them in our database. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jolene will love that. Come put your name in there. Uh, we will have the Women's League of Voters over there. They will be registering. Okay. Um, they'll be... I hear maybe candidates from Ward 6 and Ward 9, possibly. Mm-hmm. I can't say for sure. Um, there's going to be a couple other. Our our Secretary of State, Steve Simon, will be in attendance. We're going to be giving away winter hats, brand new winter hats. We're going to be giving away beautiful shirts. We have free soup. We have free fry bread and pumpkin bars. There's, uh, yeah, there's lots of stuff for the kids, so it's going to be a great event. We're working in partnership with the American, uh, no, excuse me, um, the IHB, Indian Health Board, and we'll be walking down and supporting theirs, which is maybe a block away. Mm. So right after ours, we're going to go over there. Be sure to get in, come come check out our table, make voting a tradition table, uh, sign up for our drawings. We will have two beautiful lacrosse sticks, and those are Bugaoduwewen Natig. Those are uh, traditional lacrosse sticks made by Thomas House. Bidasage mm. Miigwech. I just said thank you to him uh, for that. We're giving away two of those, so be there, get a ticket. I've seen the picture of those. Those are look those are look cool. But you had me at fry bread. Yes. You had me at fry bread. Folks, if you've never been to a powwow, if you find one, you can find this event coming up here on Monday from ten until three. Find a powwow in your neighborhood. Go see it. It's a lot of fun. And the food. Yes, I yes. you know pumpkin bars. I heard something about pumpkin bars as well, my friend. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now we we do keep fry bread around, but we have some 
fantastic cooks out there these days. So we're moving on to many things. Yeah. Uh, and also Aztec da dancers, too. They're going to be at this event, too, which I think is, that's just wonderful. I think, you know, embracing all the cultures uh, that 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 are in, you know they're not just you know not the the Native American cultures that are local but as well all the Native American cultures I think that's it's so important as well yeah I, I think that's that's really cool and I'm actually kind of fascinated to go see that too yeah so uh, all right so this is once again it's happening noon until three on Monday the 9th uh, at 1845 East Franklin Avenue. A lot of people there, Steve Simon there, League of Women Voters there, uh, you know, lots of great information there, lots of great community. Stop on out, be part of that, and then, of course, when, at what point are you guys going to go down to the street there, that block down the street? Or is that during the whole I thing? I think about 2, 2.30 we'll walk down the block. All right. And that's the the, the health. Indian the, Health yeah, Board. Indian yep. Health Board. Uh, so be part of it. Head on out there. Enjoy that on Monday. Derek DeLille. Derek, anytime you want to come back, man. Anytime, anytime. You and I, awesome. you know, I, I, this is, I, I, you know, this is just cool. I'm, yeah. I'm very grateful. It, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank this you. Is good stuff. I appreciate it. All right, we'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Can I tell you how great it great it is that Native American cuisine is starting to become a, a major thing, man? I'm I'm this is something, mm. but you know me, I eat. I just I'm, I'm all about food. This town is becoming a really <laughs> good food town, but it's just I, I I love the fact that Native American culture and 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 I'm dead serious. If you've not been to an event, uh, they have that event coming up here, and I'll post all the details of that event coming up on social media a little bit later on this evening. Uh, you can find all that information. But if you've not been to a Native American event, I highly encourage you to go because it is the epitome of community. It's the epitome of the neighborhood. Um, you'll learn a lot. You'll be exposed to a new culture, which is really cool. It is an incredibly cool culture. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, the more, I mean, remember when I went out to the parks last year? Uh, I don't have the poster up here anymore. Remember when I went out to the parks, the parks of the West and the stories you would hear about the Native American culture out there just you know a thousand times more badass than than anything i'd ever heard in my life ingenious smart intelligent strong communities just it, it, it's it's a shame we don't learn more about it but it's I, i'm glad we're starting to see more of this but we need a lot more and it's and it's i'll give my i'll give my show to any community group i will you you've got an event coming up you want to talk about it the more the merrier for goodness sakes you know, I'm part of a race. It's called the human race, and I'm all for it. And there's a lot of really cool people. And if I can say there's a lot of times, white America, you just need to shut up and listen to what the other people are saying because you know what? They're right. And they've been right for a long, long time. And it doesn't mean I feel threatened by it. It means I'm feeling enlightened by it. So... I, I, I can't encourage you enough to go and do that. Do you like fry bread? When was the last time you had fry bread? I don't think I've had it before, no. Get me a food truck stat. Now, if you're talking place. a food truck, you got my attention. Well, if you get one outside the station. You know, it would just be for us, man. Yeah. I did, uh, when I was, we were driving across uh, from southern Utah down to the Grand Canyon, which, by the way, no straight road. Thanks. I have to go over to Page, Arizona, and then shoot back down that way. That's nice. Thank you for that. 
But we, we did stop in this great restaurant that was, it was a Navajo restaurant. And they the fry bread, holy, oh, I became smitten. I could, I, 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 more Native American restaurants in this city would be a good thing, would be a really good thing. And, you know, I also, I also do find, I mean, when you talk about, you know, eating local and, you know, buying products that are local and stuff like that, what's growing local and making that we've had, we've had, you know, chefs and cooks and cookbook writers and people on that, that talking about that sort of thing. No one does that better than the Native American community because they know exactly what grows, when it grows and how to prepare it perfectly. So now, now I'm hungry, man. Brett, why did you do this to me, man? Why did you bring up fry bread? <laughs> Oh, it sounds good. Pum pumpkin bars, man. It is. There's one month of the year I can have pumpkin bars. Well, I can have pumpkin pie too. But one month of the year I can have pumpkin bars. Guess what? It's pumpkin bar season. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Are you ready for an extended sports report when we come on back? Let's do it. Let's do an extended sports report when we do report return. It is the Matt McNeil show right here on AM nine fifty. AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil show. Oh, I've got a great song for today. I'll, I'll tell you in a second. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So let's start with the breaking news today. We've got, this is, we've got some sports stories we've got to get to here. And, uh, you know, we have to start with one, which is kind of a bit of a shocker. But if you've been following the team, it's not a shocker. The Minnesota United announced Friday they are parting ways with Adrian Heath, the only head coach the team has had during their time in MLS. How much uh, of this soccer squad have you been paying attention to? Very casually. Very casually. It has not helped them at all to have those damn games on Apple TV. Because once Ted Lasso is over, I mean, like, what am I? I'm not sitting around on Apple TV. What are you freaking crazy? I've got, you know, how many other streaming services I've got? I still have to watch the live version of The Little Mermaid. I'm caught up on that. Um, they've not been good. I mean, what was it? Where there was a game they had where they were up three zero at half and they lost four to three. And I'm like, how do you even do that? That's an accomplishment. In that soccer. is that. And and what it is is this is and I'll, and I'll, there, I'll tell you what. Let me let me read the story and I'll come back to this here. Assistant coach Sean McCauley will serve as interim head coach for the remainder of the 2023 season. Heath, who was originally contracted to coach through the 2024 season, came to the United November of 2016. He led the Loons for their first MSL Cup, Cup playoff appearance. Uh, and the team has made an offseason appearance, has uh, made an offseason appearance for the last four years. But, you know, they failed pretty spectacularly. He leaves the club with a 91, 101, and 56 record. So he doesn't have a winning record. The United are currently in 12th place in the West Conference with two games remaining in the regular season. Every game since the end of August has ended in a draw or loss, and the team's loss to 5-1 to LAFC on Wednesday. We are grateful for Adrian and his decision, uh, dedication of the club and for all that we've accomplished over the last seven years, said Minnesota United Football Club CEO Sherry Ballard. It was a difficult decision, but we believe the time is right to move in the new direction. <coughs> um This should have happened two years ago. I, I hate to be blunt, but it should have happened two years ago. He doesn't 
make changes in the second half you need on a consistent basis to where you get wins. You know, you're up 3-0. And I don't, I don't, let me let me see if I can find it here what that game was because that that was that was for me that the ends like okay, why is this guy uh the coach? Why is this why is he still the coach at this point? Um it was let's see here. Uh, it was what game was it? Yeah, it was LA Galaxy. It was uh Wednesday night, September 20th. After that game, I was like, oh, yeah. It was over. They they, they just... It, it, it's been a team that has not shown resiliency and the fight that you need. And, you know, they, they you're up 4-3. Or you're up 3-0. You're up 3-0. You lose 4-3. That is, I mean... I'm not Ted Lasso, but I could manage a team to at least say one forward, forward, everyone else back. The ball comes anywhere near the goal box. You kick it as as much force as you can back down the field and we're done. Yeah, in, in American football, that's blowing like a seven touchdown lead in the it second is. half. That's the Colts of last year. That's yeah, the yeah. Colts last year. That is, that is, all you have to do is pull back everyone but your one forward. The one forward gets a breakaway because their defense will be playing forward because they're trying to get goals. You, they get one goal fine. Then you pull the other guy back. And you basically just, you know, you, you, you make it to where there's so many bodies on the field they can't get a ball through. That is a failure, and that's the coaching staff. And that is... I have watched this team lose to expansion teams. I have lost this. I watched this team, you know, you know, just give up in the last twenty minutes of a game. They just they don't seem to be trained. The team doesn't seem to be trained right. And yeah, this is probably more soccer talk than you ever wanted in your life, especially about Minnesota United. But I'm a fan of the team. I like soccer. I, I when I went over to the military and I was over in Europe. I got there. I followed the local Nuremberg team there, but I became a fan of Newcastle United. Now, Newcastle United, if you don't know the history of Newcastle United, they've been a bad team for a long time. And now with their new owners, they're a really good team and they're actually doing really well. Now they're mid-level in the, in the, I think what they're eighth or ninth right now uh, in the Premier League, but they're, they're, they're a much better squad than they've been in years, in decades. I've watched soccer. I've watched bad soccer, and I got to tell you the truth: Minnesota United are just bad soccer. And so it's it's going to be hard to not see Heath on the sidelines because he's been such a staple. And they've had one or two really impressive wins, but overall, when your when your record is ninety one one hundred one and fifty six, the question here is: well, How many? How many? Why, why did you let it get this this long? All right, all right, nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Number two on the sports report, our starter. Once again, in case you missed it, hey, we got a baseball team in town again. Yeah! Woo! Minnesota Twins are on the road starting tomorrow. They have the afternoon game, I believe it is. So, yeah, the way this breaks down, they've got, I think, the 3.40 start time tomorrow. They've got the 7 o'clock p.m. they got the primetime game on, on Sunday night. 
Then they've got a 3 o'clock game on Tuesday, and they got a 1 o'clock game on Wednesday. Thanks, Major League Baseball. Oh, they already announced the Wednesday game. The Wednesday's time. a 1 o'clock start oh, time. Oh, man. Jeez. Couldn't you start it at like 8 a.m.? You could have breakfast at the park. Uh, it is um, the, the, the Twins will not start Joe Ryan, though, for game one. And you want to know the truth is, I'm okay with this. Once again, you're on the road. Houston's been rested and up. They are a good team. They're taking on Verlander. Bailey Ober, who didn't allow more than two runs in any of his four September starts, has been chosen by the Twins manager, Rocco Baldelli, to pitch Saturday's opening game in the AL Division Series against those dreaded Astros, the team announced on Friday. Ober will face three-time Cy Young winner, two-time World Series champion Justin Verlander. But they were playing for cheaters, I think. Wasn't he playing for the cheaters? I can't remember when Verlander was. I think he, was, he might have been playing for that. Uh, Ryan had been preparing to start a tie-breaking game against the Blue Jays, but that game was made unnecessary when the Twins swept the first two. Baldelli apparently had second thoughts about starring Ryan against the Astros, who he faced twice in 2023 and allowed nine runs in ten total innings. That's not exactly keeping the ball in the park, is it? Ryan also allowed 32 home runs this season, fourth most in the American League. The Astros ranked fifth in the AL for home runs with 222. The home runs accounted for 45.1% of all the runs the Astros scored. So basically, that math doesn't work out. It just doesn't work out. Uh, neither Ober or Ryan has ever appeared in a postseason game. Verlander has started 34 postseason games, third most in Major League history. He's 16-11 and 11 with a 364 ERA in the playoffs. You know, I was saying to someone the other day, it's like, excuse me, this morning, this morning, he said, I wish the Twins would be getting more runs on the board. I said, okay, wait a second here. We're not playing the freaking Royals and the White Sox anymore. And to my Chicago listeners right now who are now you know, seething at me, fine, whatever. That being said, it wasn't great pitching. And there was the Oakland, Colorado. I mean, wasn't great pitching. It's easy to put tons of runs on the board when you're dealing with um, really bad pitching. Every pitching staff you're going to take, face from here on out is going to be good. So you've got to win games where you're scoring two, three, four runs. That's how you do it. Okay? That's how you do it. So good luck with that. That's what you've got to figure out how to do. Uh, do you agree with that? Bailey Ober uh, versus uh, Ryan, uh, Joe Ryan, as, as the starter in game one. Yeah, I could go either way on that one. I would probably lean towards Ober as well. I kind of like Kenta Maeda. I'm surprised they didn't get Well, him I mean, who's, I don't know if Ryan's going to pitch the second game or Kenta Maeda is. It sounds like what they're trying to do is set up um, Lopez and Gray for three and four here in town. That's what it sounds like. Although, would I be surprised if Lopez pitched? If, if you got beat bad in game two or game one, would I be surprised if they threw Lopez out there in game two? No, I wouldn't. But you got to figure out a way to win that. So, uh, once again, that game is tomorrow afternoon from Houston. And if you're worried about, well, wait a second here, Gopher football. Gopher football is going to get absolutely annihilated by Michigan at home. Great. Uh, that's going to be coming up on Saturday night. And that's just being realistic. They're going to get absolutely annihilated by Michigan uh, coming up here on uh, on Saturday night. So, uh, that's the case. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Dave is in Duluth. Dynamo Dave is in Duluth. You wanted to chime in on something non-sports related right now. Welcome on in, Dave. 
Dave? Two. Um, Are you there? You You're there. Okay? I, can, I can hear you now. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you now, man. Okay, so um, two weeks ago today, uh, hey, did you, first of all, did you know that these congressional guys, the representatives, they get paid whether there's a government shutdown or not? Yep. And uh, Representative Angie Craig of Minnesota two weeks ago today had introduced a bill so that if when they shut down, if they were to shut down, that they would not receive pay. Had you heard about that? Yes, I did. And the Republicans said, no, we're not going to entertain it. Oh, is that what? Oh, okay. So. <laughs> that's crazy. They're supposed to be, like you say, the one. Oh, no, you know, that's, the that, that was, that was the easiest possible. That was the easiest outcome I could have ever seen, Dave. Oh, they're going to get their paycheck. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, that's really wild, you know. They're supposed to lead, you know, to we the people, right? But um, anyway, uh, what I don't understand is one, uh, the Democrats have been in control of Congress, why they don't haven't passed such a bill. Uh, I mean... Well, because, because and, and Dave, thank you much. I appreciate it. A little off topic, but I don't mind addressing this. It was only, what, three or four years ago they fixed it to where the military got paid during the shutdown. Or, excuse me, no, 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 no let me repeat Some military gets paid during the shutdown, depending on what your critical job role is. Most of the military does not get paid during this. But when the government shutdown was over, there was nothing saying that the military got reimbursed for the missed paychecks. They only fixed that little gem three or four years ago. You're expecting some of the, you know, some of the most self-centered, narcissistic, self-serving people you've ever met to basically give up a paycheck? Please. They're not going to do that, man. And heck, let's just be honest, half the Democrats won't do it either. It just... It is what it is. And even because you're right, Democrats could do it when they're in the power, when they were in charge. They just didn't. Maybe they should, you know, make a law because I can guarantee you this. If it all of a sudden was on the books, maybe they wouldn't be shutting down the, the government so often. So, all right. So that's we've, we've touched on. Uh, we touched on the firing of the soccer coach. We've touched on the lineups, our starting pitcher for the first game of the divisional series. We've talked about the Gophers getting absolutely beaten to senseless by Michigan on Saturday night. So the question that Brett has been constantly harping me about, will Taylor Swift show up for the Vikings game? Brett, come on. Oh, we've got to bring the Swifties into Oh, yeah. Our King Swiftie in that producer studio. Hey, I love Tay Tay myself. She's fantastic. I don't think she's going to be in town. Oh really? I don't think she's gonna be in town. Prime time game on. Well, it's not prime time, it's but it's in the, the three o'clock. It's in the big CBS slot, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I do not think Taylor Swift is gonna be in town. I think that the NFL has basically. I agree with uh, you know Travis Kelsey that that the the reaction of the NFL, who by the way is swooning over getting the world's biggest pop star as a fan of the NFL bringing in because girls across the country who have never watched a football game or just watch it in passing are now watching them intently hoping that the cameras pan up whenever a the, the Chiefs score a touchdown or Kelsey's in a play to Taylor Swift cheering in a, in a luxury box they're desperate for that I don't think she's going to be coming here not that it's uh, you know Hey, she played two shows here. She played one show in most cities. She played two shows here. Um, 
she sold out both of them in a heartbeat. Uh, it's it's a good city for you know music and stuff like that. It's a big enough market. I just think that the NFL has gone so over the top in regards to their marketing of this that I think that this is going to be a cool down weekend. And, you know, and the NFL is going to send her about a thousand dozen roses saying, please come back to the next game. Your thoughts? I wonder if she'll get the halftime show. But um, t- no, they're not. The Vikings would. The, the, I mean, the, not at the, Vi- the Super Bowl halftime show, I should clarify. Yeah. Well, she, who's doing it this year? Did they already announce who's doing yeah, it this they, year? Yeah, they, they have. I can't remember who it's doing it. No, but as to whether she's coming to the game this weekend, I don't know. I just feel like that's such a high-profile time slot that CBS has got to be pulling for her to show up because every network that's shown a Chiefs game now has just seen insane ratings. Oh, yeah. So I'm betting they're probably saying, can you please show up? We could really use you at the game. I wouldn't be surprised if she did, but I don't think she will. I don't. And, you know, and... Here's okay. Can I say this? So I've played this a little out in my mind. Imagine she doesn't show up, and the Chiefs lose to the Vikings. Oh, oh my gosh! Chiefs fan will turn on her in a heartbeat. You're our good luck charm. You didn't show up. If you would have shown up, we would have won that game. Well, um, right wingers have found out how that works when you turn against Taylor Swift. What are they thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking? It's like the Republicans came out and said, we're against ice cream. Really? You're that stupid, are you? Okay. We, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. The Beatles are bad. What are you doing, you idiots? You don't, don't get out of your own damn way. I'm not going to stop you. You know, you guys want to, you guys want to, uh, uh, you know, basically completely poison the voter pool against you for generations to come. I can guarantee you, Swifties will not forget you guys bad-mouthing Taylor Swift in 30 years. They will not. Uh, do you think the Vikings will win this weekend? Probably not, no. Not no, against no, the no, Chiefs, no, no. It's not that we don't have an offensive that's capable of putting up a ton of points. We don't have a defense, although they played well in the Our second defense half. defense has they, done all right. It's more uh, the offense doesn't like really hanging onto the ball very well. Well, that's uh, they, something they, that's not popular with the team. They're, they're, they like to give. Uh, did you see the story that apparently they, the Vikings offered Justin Jefferson a record contract, but he basically turned it down because he wants to make sure that he wants to stay with Kirk Cousins, and he wants to see where Kirk Cousins is playing before he agrees to stay anymore. Oh, wow. That's at least, uh, I saw that story out there. I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, heck, you've listened to this show. You think I know any damn thing about sports? <laughs> I, I, so, but I will say this: I, the NFL is not wrong in doing this. You have someone of that magnitude. It was, I mean, right now, she, remember when BTS was everywhere, the the Korean pop band, and everywhere he went, there was BTS, 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 or uh, um, Halsey. You know, it's it just it, you know, everywhere he went was Halsey, Halsey. Those are nothing compared to the the, the star power shine right now of Taylor Swift. I mean, there are only a few times in my life I have seen celebrity shining as bright as this. I mean, the only person in the celebrity world that would might be on comparison level is Beyonce. So Beyonce could show up or, you know, or Taylor Swift could show up. And, you know, that, that's basically the peak pop culture moment you could possibly get. I just don't, I, I, I think that, you know, Taylor Swift just came off a tour. Does she really want every weekend to be, 
I mean, she doesn't live in Kansas City, does she? I doubt that she lives in Kansas City. So she, that means she's going on the road every week. You know, you know, she just got off the, the tour, living in hotels and stuff like that. Does she really want to do that? I don't think so. I'm guessing she's staying in nice hotels, though. Well, I mean, you're thinking it's not the, not the, whole, the Motel 6. She's not doing the, an Airbnb, <laughs> I'm guessing. She's, got, she's got, wild. You walk into your Motel 6. I swear to God, I think Taylor Swift is staying next door to us here. These are great deals, aren't they? Uh, no, I, my, my guess is she's not even staying in a hotel. She's staying in some, you know, it, there are things you and I, with our me, meager existence, don't know about. There's probably some billion-dollar house or apartment in town that's only in existence for when people of the caliber of Taylor Swift come into town and they just put her in there. It's not even a hotel. That's where, that's where she's at, and no one knows she's in there. So that that's going to be my guess. I Tay Tay, I miss you. I miss you. If she is on that game, though, it, 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 I, I don't. I feel sorry for the Vikings because no one's going to care about the Vikings after if that's the case. No one's going to care. But I guess should they? Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Some dance, and when we come back, it's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM nine fifty. By the way, quick happy birthday to Marla, longtime listener of the show here. Happy birthday to you this weekend. I hope you have a wonderful one. Uh, we are done for the week. Native Ridge Radio, I'm Awake, comes in next. We are back on a Monday, either crying in our soup over two losses and stuff like this, or happy and giddy as the day is long. We'll have to determine what that is. But no matter what, we're going to be happy and giddy going into the weekend. Diana Ross, upside down. This takes us out. Boom, 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 boom. There you go. Have a great weekend. We are back on a Monday. Till then, see ya.